Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. What is going on, weirdos? Welcome to episode 61 of the History for Weirdos podcast. We hope you're all doing well, that if you're driving, the traffic's not too bad. If you're doing dishes, that that's not too bad, I guess. (laughs) We know it's going to be bad, but I hope it's not too bad. Yeah, we're here to help. We're here to help. We're here to make it less irritable. Irritable, yeah. (laughs) And if you're driving in Los Angeles... Um, yeah, it's going to be, the traffic's going to be bad. And no I'm matter sorry. what. Yeah. But we, we've been there with you, so. Yeah, we're going to fight on <laughs> with that. Um, so, I, before we get the show started, I wanted to give a, a recommendation of mine. So, I've been watching this show on Netflix, and no, this isn't like a sponsored ad or anything. Uh, but I've been watching the show, and it's called Troy, I think, Fall of a City. Okay. And it shows the perspective of Paris in you know the Il- basically the Iliad from, mm-hmm. by Homer, and if you don't know what that is, it's basically set in the late Bronze Age where uh, the city of Troy falls to the Greeks after a ten year war, and it's definitely very m- mythical. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there is like an actual like historical Trojan War, but we know nothing about it. We just know that Troy did fall around this time, but the story of like the Iliad is one hundred percent myth. Anyways, that's enough of my rambling, and I know Stephanie has a uh, a recommendation as well. I wanted to recommend, for anyone who has not seen it, I think it's a good spooky season movie, Crimson Peak, with Tom Hiddleston, and I actually don't know the name of the female protagonist, um, but it was a really good show, It's or sorry, movie, it's super gothic, Victorian, spooky, ghosts, uh horror love trauma it's really cool (laughs) it has it all (laughs) it has it all it has everything i i highly recommend it it's not like the best movie ever but it was really i would say it was really interesting to watch it really was it was i think it had a great cinematography the story was pretty decent and um yeah tom hiddleston jessica chastain oh jessica chastain but she wasn't the lead yeah but she was she was in it so i mean like a solid cast and um yeah, and like honestly, it wasn't too scary. Like Stephanie is a huge like weenie when it comes to scary movies. Yeah, I can confirm I'm a weenie. And it like even she wasn't scared. Yeah, and I'll just briefly say the premise is basically this young, bright, but you know possibly a little naive woman in America falls in love with a baronet. A baronet. And he takes her back to his home, and it's known as Crimson Peak. And spookiness ensues. Lots of spookiness. There's a lot of secrets in the family that she uncovers while she's there. Dun, dun, dun! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So those are our recommendations to you all for the week. And, oh yeah, and follow us on Instagram. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, if you... Please. (laughs) Please follow us on Instagram if you haven't already. Most of you probably have if you're listening to this episode. And we thank you if you have already. Yeah, thank you all so much. And so... Oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something? No, just that it's a good spot to connect with us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
So, sorry, Steph. Without further ado, though, I'm going to hand it right back to you, because I believe it is your turn to tell us a spooky tale. Could you imagine if, like, neither of us wrote an episode for the week? Like, oh, I thought it was your week. (laughs) Like, so, this is awkward, guys. Hello, my baby. Hello, my daughter. (laughs) Yeah, we were just improv sing for you all, and nobody wants that. No one wants that, no. So, for this week, I am keeping with the October theme of this is more than spooky this is dark Ooh, um, snap but i think it's fitting for the season it is the Velisca axe murders oh yeah okay so that in and of itself is your content warning <laughs> that this involves violence and murder and if you don't like that you should probably just skip the episode i guess i would skip it it also does involve unfortunately young people so just keep that in mind um but what is what i will say it's not i'm not going to go into any like gory detail at all um just the the circumstances of these murders super interesting very weird perfect for the podcast and then there's a lot of things after that i'm going to share as well Ooh, ramifications no lovely (laughs) (laughs) really good guess but no so we'll start off i like you're just like no anyways moving on you dummy (laughs) i'm sorry so we'll start off in 1903 okay where a man by the name of josiah b moore unfortunately like be more, right? Yeah, just be more. Be, be more, more of a Josiah. person. Yeah. Um, he purchased a three-bedroom farmhouse in the town of Villisca, and that is how everyone was pronouncing it on the interwebs, so that's how I'm going to pronounce it. It's Villisca, Iowa, um, for himself, his wife, Sarah, and their four children, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul. Villisca was a community that was really, like, prospering at the time. It had mm-hmm. about 2,000 residents, but it had, like, a lot of business is opening due to the these like this train station where lots of trains came through oh so like a lot of like travel commerce probably yeah. going through that town exactly they were everyone was really excited about the train nice um and by all accounts the moore family were very quote-unquote normal they were well liked um and tight-knit uh they were respected in their community and Josiah was a prominent businessman and a well-known church worker, is what they called him. I don't know if he worked or volunteered at the church. Um, so this flourishing community was doing great, but it would be totally changed by what is going to happen in this episode, which happens on June 10th, 1912. Mm. So we're going to fast forward to June 9th, 1912. Oh, snap. Okay, let's do it. So after attending a special church service for children, like they, I don't know, like they did like a special kids day or something at the church, but the service was held at night, the Moore family, along with two visiting girls, headed home, Mm -hmm. just like normal. Like they did every Sunday. The only thing different was that they had these two other girls with them. The two girls were Lena and Ina Stillinger, and they were the daughters of a wealthy farmer who last minute uh, allowed the girls to spend the night at the Moore house. They were friends with the eldest daughter of the Moore family, Catherine. So they were all at church together. Last minute, the little girls are like, oh, can we sleep over? And the parents are like, sure, go for it. Um, 
Which is so interesting. I didn't think people in like 1912 had sleepovers. I know. I guess not either. When you're in a Mexican home, you never have sleepovers. Even in, you know, 2022, I bet. So <laughs> that's, I was like, what? They were allowed to have sleepovers? I mean, I definitely had sleepovers, but I also didn't leave, live in 1912, so. That just seemed like, I don't know, that's just not a, in like period pieces or stories that you hear of this time. I guess we focus so little on children in general. Mm-hmm. I never thought of little kids having sleepovers, so I, that really stuck out to me for some reason. Interesting, okay. So, early the next morning, on June 10th, at about 5 a.m., the Moore's neighbor, Mary Peckham, was out and about doing her chores. She was, like, putting clothes up on the liner or something. Okay. By about 7 a.m., she was concerned when she did not see the Moors out doing their morning chores like they normally did. Right. They would normally see each other every morning. Okay. The Moors had, it's a small farmhouse, they did have uh, horses and chickens, and they would have needed catering to by 7 a.m. Right. So according to Mary, something fell off, and she knocked on the door. There was no answer. She tried to open the door and just let herself in, but it was locked. And so Mary called Josiah's brother, Ross, who came over... And similarly, he had no luck with, like, knocking or yelling or trying to get into the house anyway. So they ended up having to call the town marshal to break down the door. Okay. Unfortunately, when they stepped inside, they found a truly horrific scene. And it was his brother who stepped inside. Oh, man. Ross went into the downstairs bedroom first, and he found the bodies of lena and ina stillinger in bed and those are the friends like the little the little girls yeah from the other family okay the two girls had apparently been murdered with an axe oh geez a quote from the local paper that originally reported on the crime said that the crime scene was quote a spectacle so repulsive it was almost beyond comprehension that six more victims murdered in identically the same fashion, lay in the two bedrooms upstairs. Oh my god. That previous night, all eight people in the home were murdered, and not a single witness heard or saw anything. Okay, so like, every, like it wasn't like one person went psycho and killed them all and killed them. It's everyone got murdered. Everyone was murdered. Mm-hmm. So, as mentioned... All victims were murdered with an axe. This is called the Velisca Axe Murders. Mm-hmm. Um, and seven of them appear to have been murdered in their sleep. But the eighth victim, Lena Stillinger, is the only victim who authorities thought put up a fight based on the way her body lay when they found her and she had defensive wounds on one of her arms. Mm. Um and there are many weird details to this, so I'm just going to get into the weird details. Nice. We are a history for weirdos, after all. Yeah, it was perfect. The killer also left some confusing touches at the murder scenes. At the murder scene, excuse me. Investigators found a two-pound slab of bacon. That's a lot of bacon. It's a lot of bacon. Leaning, some accounts that I found said four pounds, but I was like... I'm going to go with two. And then here I am saying four. (laughs) Two or four. Two to four pounds of bacon leaning against the wall next to the axe that was used to commit the crimes. Oh my God. So they left the murder weapon there. They left the murder weapon there. Oh, there's no fingerprints. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. 
This was found, the bacon with the axe was found in that downstairs bedroom with the two visiting girls. Oh, in the same room? In the same room as them. Jeez. The murderer also had searched the dresser drawers for pieces of clothing, and he used, I'm assuming it's a he, used that clothing to cover the mirrors in the house, um, and any glass in like the entryway doors. You know how some doors have little glass Right. He used clothing to cover those things. Strange. Uh, Officials also found a plate of uneaten food and a bowl of bloody water in the kitchen. So it looked like after committing the murders, he made himself food, but then didn't eat it. Um, That is strange. mm -hmm. Nothing else was disturbed in the home and nothing appeared to have been taken from the home. Okay. Josiah, who is the dad, Mm -hmm. was the only victim murdered with the sharp edge of the axe. Whoa. The other victims appear to have been bludgeoned with the blunt end of the axe. That is so weird. Isn't that so chilling for some reason? Like also like how like how can you murder like someone like in the and then like the a person in the same room doesn't wake up? Mm-hmm. Especially if like if it's that's not what, quick. That's what I thought was weird too, and I'd say, you know, there's this is actually a pretty infamous case. So there were different, like, forums even where people were talking about it. And not a ton of people had that. People did have that question, just not as many as I thought. I was like, how did no one hear anything? Right. And so this is a source that I'll get to at the end again. But I watched uh, videos of the home. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's a 1903 home. Oh, it's the really home sm- still stands? Yeah, it's really small. Like, yes, it is a three-bedroom home and everything. Like, it's a nice home, but it's small and really creaky. I just thought that was so weird that no one would hear anything and, like, stay asleep. And I was like, maybe the TV's on really loud. They didn't even have TV back then. No, it's not the TV. (laughs) Yeah. So, unfortunately, even more unfortunate on top of this, because it was 1912, once word got out about the eight murdered victims, the crime scene was full of Villisca residents. About 100 residents walked through with the permission of the marshal. Jeez. About three hours after the bodies were discovered, the National Guard had to finally arrive to secure the crime scene because it actually became like a mob of people. That's insane. Holy, like, holy hell. Like, I mean, the fact that the cops, like, were, like, not only, like, like, didn't even, like, shy away people from the crime scene. But like, yeah, come on in. Come on in. Why would people want to see that, though? Why would people... Maybe because it's a small town. Like, nothing really exciting happens. Like, especially it's 1912. And then, but like, how horrifying, too. To I don't know. It's like a train wreck. You, like, can't not see it or something. Yeah, like, the morbid curiosity of it. Right. That's my only guess. I thought that was so strange as well. Yeah. Um. So, regarding the motives for the murders, it was completely unclear because, again... Nothing was stolen from the home, and everyone in town kept insisting that there was no grudge against the Moors or the Stillingers. Um, The main lead suspect was a man by the name of Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly. Wow, that is a long name. Yes. He left Villisca on a train 
the morning after the murders, the morning the bodies were discovered. Yeah. And allegedly was telling passengers about eight dead souls in Villisca who were butchered in their beds. But the problem? Yeah. The bodies hadn't been discovered by the time he left. Oh, so he was the one who did it. That's what everyone thought, yeah. He even signed a confession months later saying that God whispered to him, and it doesn't make sense, so I'll just quote it. He whispered to him, quote, suffer the children to come on to me, end quote. He recanted his confession. Unsurprising, yeah. At trial, um, and the jury deadlocked. 11 to 1 for acquittal, according to the Iowa cold cases, um, you know, historical documents. Right. A second jury also acquitted him in November. So he was free after that. Oh, my God. Two other male suspects were investigated, but they were never brought to trial. And during this time, the town was reportedly just hysterical with paranoia and people constantly were gossiping and pointing fingers at each other. Yeah, so like, what would happen today, basically? (laughs) Yes. Basically, humans are the same. Yeah. They're super annoying. Um, Nine months before the murders at Villisca, interestingly enough, a similar case of axe murders occurred in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Oh, wow. And then after Villisca, two axe murder cases followed in Ellsworth, Kansas and Paola, Kansas. The cases, yeah, the cases were similar enough. And obviously this is, uh, 1912. So like there was no FBI or anything like that. Right. That's true. What I was going to say is I think, unfortunately, violence stood out to people more than it does to us today. Oh, that too, yeah. So news did spread and people were like, whoa, this is really similar. And people were thinking like, was this the same person? But this, as you stated, this is the time before the FBI. This is the time before we even have the term or the concept serial killers. Right. So no one really could do anything about it. Yeah. They were all just kind of like, maybe it's the same person who's doing this. And to this day, the case remains infamously unsolved. Oh, my God. But, like, so most likely candidate is this reverend. I think that's really strange, for sure. I mean, the fact that he said this. Mm-hmm. And again, like... I, to, to people. Like, lots of people were like, yeah, that's what the dude told me. Right. And if it was especially, he, like, the morning before... He was on the train before... I think anyone got inside the house and like saw the bodies. That is weird. Yeah. Very strange. What I also, I just want to hear your thoughts on like all the weird details. I, even though there's no evidence to this, I just think it's weird that the bacon and the axe are found in the room with the little girls who don't normally live there. I wonder if maybe that's weird. They're potentially targets. Or their family, or if it's trying to send, like, a message or something like that. I don't know. Like, okay, so he, I was thinking it was someone having, like, and maybe because I'm married to you, like, had someone having, like, a mental break. Mm. Like, I mean, they went to cook themselves food after they, like, butchered a bunch of people. And, like, and it goes, it kind of, like, fits this guy's kind of, like, mantra of, like, you know, he's like, oh, God told me to kill them all. You think he was having some sort of severe psychosis? Yeah. It's possible um again it's kind of a stretch but i mean i just think 
whether there's like severe mental illness or not, you have to be in a very terrible place to do something like that. Right? Like you're right. you're not I feel like you are not in touch with your humanity. Um so then maybe you're just like mindlessly making food and then you just walk away. I don't know. I can't I think it's a good thing. We really can't picture yeah, what this true. person would have been thinking. But the bacon was just weird. That is so But you're right, strange. it could have not been like a, a message. It could have just been oh, I'm confused and I'm just going to leave the bacon here. Right, like it might just be, like we might be putting importance on something that really was just like haphazard at the time. Yeah. What about the mirrors? That one's weird. Maybe he couldn't bring himself, bring it to like look at himself or his reflection. Yeah. Someone did point that out in one of the um, like comment sections I was reading was like, you know how they always say in TV shows if the killer covers the victim's face, it means that they couldn't look at them. Like right. they felt bad. Maybe he couldn't look at his own face in yeah. the mirror. And he covered them up after. I just don't understand, like... I, I still, like, for, something that just doesn't make sense to me is the whole, like, how could he have killed them with the blunt edge, no, or the blunt side, no one notices. Like, only one person is not killed in their sleep. Yeah. And then, like, why and does, it, why is, like, the, the rough side only for the father? Or, I'm sorry, the sharp side. And the only person, the little girl, Lena, who, like the only one with defensive wounds, they think she was... Oh, I guess I have to bring that up. Sorry, I didn't have that in my notes here. Some people think he came in to the house through um, removing, like, the screen on a window. Okay, yeah. And if that's the case, he would have entered from the ground. Yeah. And the visiting girls, their room would have been his first hit. Mm -hmm. So... Lena would have been the first victim based on how they were found and she was the only one that woke up like that's weird right like you'd think the yeah other people she would have been like up. the last one or something right so there's another theory very chilling that he was actually hiding in their attic the entire time they were gone and once they went to bed he came down from the attic and went from upstairs to downstairs oh. and lena was the last one she was awake did have defensive wounds that makes so much more sense yeah oh that's that's creepy chilling 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 um and even though this case is unsolved it's still causing some terror so i'll share a little bit about Ooh. that after these horrible um this horrible crime other families, believe it or not, moved into that house. No way. But according to records, residents never lasted long. There's actually like a, a succession of very quick buys and sells, buys and sells. But there's no reason for why, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then for a little while, the house was abandoned. Today, the house stands in near pristine condition to the way that it was in 1912. And it is available to tour. And as one would imagine, there is plenty of folklore on the Velisca Axe Murder home being haunted. Mm. That's actually what it's called. If you go, if you look it up, there's a big sign in front of this cute little farmhouse that says, Axe Murder House, Aww. June 10th, 1912. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> what I found to be interesting, though, is that folks don't tend to claim, actually, that the house is haunted by the victims, but by the killer. 
Whoa, weird. Okay. And I'll tell you a little bit about why. So people have reported hearing, of course, disembodied voices, hearing yeah. footsteps, um, being scratched while they're oh. in the home. And groups of visitors are known to turn on each other and get in arguments in the house. Um, there was a caretaker of the home, because it's kind of like a museum. Yeah. Even the, like, the stove and the furniture and the furnishings are all from 1912. So it's kind of like a museum as well. And there is a man who is the caretaker there for the family that owns the property. And he was just closing up the house, because you do tours during the day. And he was upstairs in one of the bedrooms closing a window or something and he heard someone come in from the like kitchen door like mm-hmm. the back door and he thought it was like someone sneaking in because everyone yeah. knows like you're supposed to buy tickets and going through the front and he thought someone was like a you know a teen trying to like vandal or vandalize or even scare just do somebody hoodlum stuff yeah, yeah just be a youth So he wanted to teach them a lesson because he could hear their footsteps downstairs and he hid in the closet um, and he heard he was going to spook them. He heard them come up the stairs and into the room where he was in. So he jumped out and was like, bah, and there was nobody there. Oh God. I just got chills. Yes. He thought that he said he, upon realizing it, he like went cold, but no one was in the room. That's terrifying. Totally terrifying. It's a very spooky house. Um, I'd say the spookiest thing that happened, potentially spooky, depending Mm -hmm. on what you think happened, is in 2014. People could... Okay, I should back this up by saying you... I don't know what would behoove you to do this, weirdos. Please don't do this. You can spend the night in the house. You can pay... No. To sleep there. It's like 400 bucks. Like, you would have to pay me to sleep there. People pay like $400. No, like, pay me (laughs) and I will sleep there. You pay me $400. I was like, people are nuts. So, in 2014, a man was staying there overnight for a, quote, recreational ghost hunt. Oh, quant. He was there with, like, a group of, I think, two other people. And they were just like, they're recreational ghost hunters so these aren't people with like a show or anything they're just like oh we like going to haunted places and staying there well wow. okay and inexplicably at about 12 45 a.m he was found in a pool of his blood um oh my god by two of the the other two people were outside he was in a room inside and they found him in his blood so he was rushed to the hospital and treated, and he survived. Okay, good. The man said that he had entered the room, quote, with the intention of provoking the spirits. And the next thing he knew, he woke up in the ER. And according to the ER doctors, it looked like the wound was self-inflicted. Like he stabbed himself. I think it was like kind of in between, kind of like your armpit and your chest oh area. Oh my god, that's a dangerous spot. Yeah. But he, like, swore. He's like, I did not stab myself. I would not do that. That's weird. I don't even remember that happening. And he actually requested the same caretaker who told that story was talked about this happened because it made national news. 
once he was out and he was okay, he requested to come back to the house in the daytime and he apologized to the spirits for pissing them off. Oh my God. He looked really scared apparently. Isn't that spooky? Yeah, I would, I would do the same thing. Be like, yeah, you know, I learned my lesson. Sorry, spirits. Mm-hmm. Sorry for provoking you and then you stabbing me, forcing <laughs> me to stab me. Yeah. Oh, yes, there's this one reference that I have. It is the BuzzFeed Unsolved Murders channel. Oh, that's some like good journalism right there. It was really, it was a really good video. It's the video I kept, I was telling you that I was watching in chunks because I was getting scared. <laughs> <laughs> These two guys, they're really funny. I actually didn't even catch their names, like the two hosts of the show. Mm-hmm. One is a cynic. Who, like, does not believe in ghosts. Okay. And the other totally believes in spirits. And he has, like, this equipment to help you, like, Oh, my God. That's like us. Yeah. Except I'm definitely more of a believer now, 100%, than I was when we first met. No, no. And this guy's, like, 100%. Like, I, I do not believe this. Because they go into the house at night. And they, the guy who is the cynic, he's, like, the tall, skinny guy. Yeah. Tall skinny guy, because I'm so sorry, I do not know their names. Please go look up their videos, though. They're they're really fun to watch. He's, like, yelling in there. He's like, hey, like, fucko, like, you don't scare me, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, no way. And then you hear, um, you hear it. You really do. Stop it. Like that. Stop it. Like, a voice. A man's voice. Oh, I was like sweating bullets and then all of a sudden Andrew's just like hey babe what are you doing and I was like ah (laughs) so terrified they so they both go in I really recommend watching it because you it gives you such a good idea of the home and they also cover uh, the case and everything and so they walk you through like okay this is this room this is where this happened this is where they think this went down and the home is so again it's so small it's so weird to think about such intense violence happening in such a small space. I know. In one night. And again, without anyone in the neighbors hearing or anything. That's, I know. At that, there's just so much weird stuff. Like, it's so weird. How does the person next to you, because everyone had other people next to them, right? Mm-hmm. The three kids, the, the more kids, were all sleeping in one room together. The mom and dad are sleeping in one room together. And the two Stillinger girls are in one room together. How does the person next to you get bludgeoned and you don't hear anything? Or the person in the other room, for that matter. Right. Like Particularly, it was so quiet back then. Yeah. There's no, like, yeah, there's no TV. There's, it's not like there's a rave going on outside yeah, or something. It's not a busy road. It's not like there's a ton of cars. I don't know. Right. I mean, even, like, we live in L.A., like, like in yeah. the city, and it's still, like... You can hear cars, like, all night. Yeah. Not, like, constant, but you hear them. Right. Like, you just so, hear people coming home. So I'd hear, like, someone being bludgeoned. Mm-hmm. So, as I mentioned, today you can tour the home <laughs> during the daytime. You could book it overnight. Please don't do that. And this house is very, very infamous. If you want to look into more, apparently it's been featured on Ghost Adventures. Wow, two episodes in a row. I was thinking we should watch both of those episodes like you could we watch should. the week the one that you did last week yeah, Pobelia. and this week's um as well as scariest places on earth and it's also been on some iconic 
spooky podcasts such as Lore. Oh, wow. I had that podcast. I've heard it's amazing, um, and I still need to check it out, and I do plan to check it out. Yeah, me too. So, over a hundred years later, the Velisca Axe Murder House continues to scare and fascinate us. The end. The end. Wasn't that a nice, uplifting story? <sighs> that was such a beautiful, heartwarming story. As Thank you. As is tradition with our podcast. As is tradition. <laughs> My sources, like I said, BuzzFeed Unsolved Murders, but I think it's like a special, like, sub- segment or series they do with these two guys that's like a special yeah but you'll see like ghost hunting basically is what these two do yeah um and then if you go to com, it's like the official site for the house oh okay and there's actually a ton of other random um like cases of like what people reported in the home right like being in the room and of course people photograph the house a lot and there's very frequently there's like little orbs of light everywhere and stuff like that oh yeah so to learn more about the home itself you could go there and then the des moines register there was an article called what to know on the anniversary of the 1912 Velisca axe murders by virginia beretta very nice and then road trippers it's a good website and there was an article there by anna Hyder. Oh. And she visited the home herself. Oh, very cool. So she wrote about her experience just visiting, and she shares pictures and stuff. Oh, very nice. Well, thank you. I had some very good sources this week. It was really helpful because a lot of people are really interested in this house and take pictures and take video. So it helped me visualize it. I hope you all were able to visualize it a bit as well. It was scary. It's scary. <laughs> it scares So me. you're not going to sleep tonight? Mm, probably not. Great. Yeah. Great, so you're going to keep me up. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool, cool. I think that's fair since I <laughs> did the episode this week so generously. <laughs> so generously, yes. <laughs> well, thank you listeners for listening, and I hope you guys enjoy the story as much as I did. Yeah. That was actually really interesting. I'd never even heard of it before. I had never heard of it either, and it's Iowa, which I feel like I don't know a ton about weird things that happen there yeah so this one definitely intrigued even though again it terrified me it also fascinated me which is why i wanted to share it i know isn't it like crazy the mm-hmm. things that terrify us fascinate us mm-hmm. yeah thank you so much for listening weirdos we cannot wait to connect with you again next week absolutely and until next time goodbye <laughs>